This is the Championship Club Podcast, the show that shines a light on English rugby's second flight. Join us every fortnight and check us out on the socials at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. The Championship Club Podcast is brought to you in association with media partner Novus Marketing Solutions. Check them out at novusmarketingsolutions.com. And we're back. It's the Championship Clubs Podcast. I'm Michael Casey and I'm joined by Ben Gulliver. It always gives me joy to say that I'm here and I'm joined by Ben Gulliver. Gully, how are you getting on? Are you excited to see my pretty face and be recording again, I hope? Hey, I am. I um, Obviously, I went solo last week for the first time. and uh, <laughs> You can probably tell by the edit that it was, um, it, was, it was a bit difficult for me. But it's good to see your pretty face. It's been a while. <laughs> Look at you. Um, I'm looking forward to you. You develop into this fully-fledged sort of media recording ex-pro it's uh it's impressive how the skill sets developed but yeah no it's, it's nice to be back and i have to say i thought the content you got with us last week was good i really enjoyed uh particularly the deep dive into the league and the, the interviews with the guys afterwards so yeah hopefully hopefully no pressure we can uh, we can kick out some good stuff today um and to do that i'd like to say that we are joined by Amptil's captain charlie beckett charlie it's a pleasure to have you on the show Hello, lads. Cheers for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on. I've been listening to the podcast since you started it last season. Um, on my drives to Amtel, it keeps me company quite often. So it's good. Uh, it's good to good to be on. Thank you very much for having me. And um, at least you're here for a pretty face as well, Gully, <laughs> because mine mine certainly ain't. So uh, at least one of us, one or two of us, have got a pretty face today. <laughs> How are things down at uh, Dillingham Park, Charlie? Oh, they're good, mate. They're good. Gully's been there. He knows what it's like. It's wild as ever. We uh, we do things a little bit differently under Tommy and Lavs. Everything's a little bit different to the clubs I've been at before, but it's good. We, um, I'm sure we'll speak about more later, but I think our season has very much been stories of what if and how close. Like the number of games we've we've lost by one score has uh, has been quite remarkable. Actually, I know we had when you when your uh, your former lot Donny came up um, came down Dillingham Park in the season. It was my first 80th minute loss. It's the first time I've lost in the 80th minute. That was. I'm still not quite recovered from that one, but I think we've lost. I think we, uh, you look at Jersey and Donny, two of the biggest sides. I think over 160 minutes, we're five points behind Jersey. We drew with them over there and lost by five at our place. And then we lost to Donny, two points at our place and six at yours. So it's uh, it's been a tough season, but I think we're, we're, in, we're probably in the shake up, probably about in the right place at the moment for what we are and what we've got. But um Everyone knows what an ambitious club we are, the things we want to do, and sitting between 6th and ninth, which is where we've bounced back out this season, isn't where we want to be long-term. But um, there's been some great days and some frustrating days this season. Yeah, I watched uh, that last-minute Jack Spittle try down at Dillingham Park. Oh, mate, it was it was heartbreaking. Like It, was, it wasn't even just the fact it was last minute, it was the way it went. We... We were mauling on Donny's five on five mil, and we were mauling to score. And then somehow the balls come out to uh, Dolly at nine, who's just tipped it to uh, to Spitz, who I've just watched from from a distance. I obviously haven't caught up with him anywhere near. I've watched him just go over. I'm like, well, someone's going to wake me up from this bad dream in a second. Like hundred meters in the 81st minute to lose. I was like, I cannot believe this has happened. Mate, it must have been gutting. I um, obviously I still speak to Tommy a fair bit, and. Like I often look at the league and look at, try and look at the bigger picture of, of Amateur as a rugby club because I was involved in the early stages and like you're you're sat seventh at the moment and now for me watching from the outside I'm thinking that's that's great but you talk about the ambition of the club can you just obviously Lavs is very ambitious and and Tommy too so what what is sort of the the ambition for Amateur long term and is it something that's in house or something that sort of you're you're, you're willing to share. <laughs> There's probably more of the details on it are probably more in-house, but I think the wider to the wider rugby we we very much want to become a not just a solid championship team, but one of the better sides and the champs of that top four or five range. Like I think in the next season or two, we very much want to find ourselves there and punching at the not 
not punching above our weight, that being the weight class we punch at. Like, so when when we push Jersey close, when we go over to Jersey and it's a draw, people aren't going, oh, that's a good result for Amptill. People are looking at that game and going, oh, that's going to be a tight one, if you know what I mean. So hopefully um, assert ourselves in that sort of level of the Doncasters, the Jerseys of this of the league, the, um, the Pirates, who on the Ealing, they have a different model. They spend a little bit less. So we're never going to spend as much as Ealing. No no one in this league really ever is, are they? So competing with everyone else in um, in the round and being a, being a real force in that sense. I think what's happened this year, I think, and I said this to um, to Lavs, I spoke to actually Mark Best at Donny after, because obviously Best is one of my best mates from Jersey when I was there, is no one in the league views us now as little Amptill. No one goes, oh, it's, it, it's little Amptill, this will be an easy five-pointer anymore. So I think part of it, and I, I've said this to players recently, is is the change in attitude in our own camp of we can't look at ourselves like that anymore. We can't be like, oh, we're little old Amptill, it'd be good if we give them a go. Everyone's preparing for a game against us as seriously as they would any other game. So we have to know that, embrace that. That's credit to us and what we've done so far. But we need to now accept that that makes it harder to go and beat teams. People aren't going to underestimate us anymore. So we've got to start, not that we don't take ourselves seriously, but start just maybe fine-tuning a little uh, little bits on things we can be a little bit better at in the week. I think uh, if you look at the league this year, that ambition of a four or five, it is just so competitive. And I think it's it's a pretty well-renowned thing now. Nobody beats Amtel easily. Um, week off last weekend, and I would like to take this opportunity. Hopefully, you've uh, you've been across the fixtures just to go back through what was a remarkable round. But I think kind of endemic of what we've seen in the league this season. I honestly, in my time in the, watching and following the league, which I think started around about 2012, can't recall a league as tight as it is. And yeah, just some of the results last week were, were absolutely astounding. Um, God, I'll let you take your pick of where you want to start, Charlie. Well, I think uh, we'd be remiss to start anywhere, but um, Ealing Bedford, wouldn't we really? Um, I couldn't quite believe that when I saw it. Well, I can't remember what I was doing Saturday, but I got a text from um, Tom Hudson being like, have you seen the Ealing Bedford score? And I literally reply going, no, how many did Ealing put on them? Because Bedford have been in a tough spot recently. Since, since I think since we beat them uh, at the start of January, I don't think they've won a game, which surprised me because they've been it's been one of the best Bedford sides I've seen this season. And he said, just have a look on your phone. So I went on um, on Twitter and I I couldn't believe it, especially then when you go more into the game. And I've had a bit of a watch of bits. You see the dominance um, the dominance Bedford had at the Mall really shocked me at the weekend with. Um, because that's not what they're renowned for. Bedford, everyone knows Bedford. They're one of the great entertainers of the league. They score wonder tries, try the week every week. It's becoming it's becoming less of a joke every week. They win it, but they took up they took Ealing on physically and they got the bet the, the better of them. And that that really I don't know what you thought, Gully, from what you've seen, but that shocked me actually the way Bedford went about beating Ealing. Well, yeah, it's it's interesting like you say because even when I was at Bedford and that's going back a while now, it was if we could get parity up front, then we're in a game. I've, I've I've seen a little bit of the game, and they're like you say, their um their dominance was 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 the shock, and it goes to show, doesn't it? <laughs> you get that parity or that dominance, then you can turn anyone over in the league. And I think our, our, our WhatsApp group on the Champs Clubs, it was it was going wild. Gareth was in in Iceland, and it was it, it honestly, I think, and I've obviously like I said before, I've been involved with Bedford. I, I think that's probably their greatest away win in the Champ they've ever had, and they've had some good results. Like we drew at Newcastle years ago. Um, and that's a Premiership team, and you'd say Ealing are Premiership elect. Um, and I think it was it was an outstanding result. And Mike Mike was externally seemed like he was under a bit of pressure, and it just goes to show like Reyes like resilience at Bedford, but also his belief in what he's coaching and what he's done. And they've not they've not gone away from what they are. Yes, they've got parity and dominance up front, but they've 
they've really shot the league, and, and and as a result of that, it's it's shone a bit of a light on the league as well, which is which is a good thing, and it's tightened it up. Like Mike said, it's I've never known it as tight as this, and you know I've been involved with it for nearly 15, 20 years, and it, it's great, and it's it, it's it's drawing the right attention to the league. Yeah, I was at uh, Bedford Donny the week before, um, and Donny beat them twenty four nil. And I don't actually think Donny hit top gear. So to see that result the following week, it just it it just shows and how impressive it was. But I guess also for a, a neutral, which I wouldn't class myself as, I definitely say as a Donny fan. But for the neutrals uh, out there watching, it does keep it alive because obviously Pirates have been pushing. Um, Ealing all the way so far but your jerseys your Donnies now that top four mix it is really really hot as we go into this final quarter so yeah exciting stuff um, but a result at the other end of the table that I'd still think I mean maybe it isn't a remarkable result and I think Gully you maybe called it but uh, you know Nottingham taking on Coventry a big full time team there was various sort of uh, mixed messages coming out of Nottingham at the start of the season but a 27-15 win against Cov I think that's you know, it, it should we be shocked by that or, or not? It was a good result either way. Yeah, it's um, well. It, it was nice to speak to Hamo last week um, and get an understanding of of that model because it's, it's a similar model to uh, well, it's not a model I know. It's you, you kind of guess it and you think, well, are they part time? What's going on there? And you know, they've clearly got a plan. Um, and it's and like you say, Cov being full time, you kind of think they should be winning that game away at Nottingham. But again, like knots have been going all right. They've been scoring a fair amount of tries. Um, Charlie, you'd have played against Nottingham. Like, what, what's what's your view on view on their their sort of progress and they're sort of they're creeping up, aren't they, into that mid mid pack at the moment? They're a tricky outfit to play. Yeah, it, it's interesting. So obviously, my first experience of playing Nottingham was when I was at Jersey, and they were always. A tough team to beat. We lost, they're, they're tough to play at Lady Bay on a Friday night. It's not an easy place to go at all. And we lost over there with Jersey. We beat them twice at our place. And then when I decided, I'm sure getting to leaving Jersey was the right thing for me. For personal reasons, just before COVID hit, I was actually talking to Oscar and they were almost full-time at that point. It was one of those, it was a bit like Hartby where they're almost full-time because they play Fridays. They weren't. It was a club I was interested in chatting to. And then COVID hit and the world went berserk. And I think Nottingham got hit quite hard by that. I think they're just starting to find their feet again now with a new group of players and a new structure, like you were saying, having Hammer on last week explaining that. Um, but they're, they're a tough tough team to play, especially, like I said, at Lady Bay, especially with Dave Williams, who I know cheese really well. We are in the Leicester Academy together. He can't stop scoring tries. To be, I think he's either top or second top try scorer at the team who was second bottom in the league. That That's some achievement. So... They're always a threat. They've got Jack Stappy there as well, who's a very good player. And when they had Joe Browning finish off that back three, I know he's with England sevens now. That back three will compete with any back three in the tournament. So if they can get them the ball, then they're dangerous to play against. Um, I actually thought they'd beat Cov, but mainly because of how poor Coventry have been away from home this year. They haven't they haven't won a game away from home. Uh, I think I'm correct in saying that in the league all season. Like for the resources they have. Um, at their disposal uh, I know some of the boys in the Cov camp I think they'll be bitterly disappointed with where they're sitting in the league at the moment I think they had ambitions to be top three top four and for whatever reason we don't know because not inside the camp it it hasn't gone that way so I when I looked at that the form and knowing what Notts were like I thought Notts would um, would get a win um, and it's 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 good for the league to see that. It keeps it like keeps that bottom three or four that we could very easily be dragged into at Amptel. We lose our next two games, we very easily get dragged into that. So we're not away from that at all. It keeps it alive and very interesting. Yeah, definitely does. And I say across the league, it is sort of alive and interesting now. Um, I'll, I'll jump to the side. Pirates hosted uh, London Scottish. I think many people would have thought this could have been an absolute mullering, but you know, nineteen nil. Scottish not uh, Scottish preventing uh, the Pirates getting a bonus point at the Manai again. That's sort of a very very top side taking on the side that were written off at the bottom and it's competitive again. I like talking about Scottish because I, like, I get a lot of shit. I say it on here weekly. Like Hanksy that used to play at um, 
at Ampton, I used to play with him, and I just I, I do it deliberately now. But I want them want them to do well, and they they drew in a few few uh, dual reg boys, didn't they? And they uh, and they, they they by all by all accounts they butchered um, quite a few tries down there. I've not seen any of that game, um, but yeah, nineteen nil. You know they've stopped stopped Pirates getting a bonus point. So it's although you've been nilled, it's it's not a bad result for them. And you kind of think Scottish are going to have a big one in them at some point, and they're going to turn one of the big boys over, and they're hopefully you know get a bit closer to Nottingham. But yeah, it was a, it was an interesting result. I saw the pictures, man. It looked hanging down there, didn't it? <laughs> it, it, it looks it? it looks very much what you imagine the men I in February to be, didn't it? It looked like an absolute bargain. That seemed like. It's Sarri's learnt last year, didn't they? It's one of the hardest away fixtures in British rugby going down to the Menai. It's a hideous place to go. Especially when that crowd gets on top of you. I know there wasn't one there. I said last year when they beat Sarri's, the biggest crime was that there wasn't 5,000 mad Cornish people in there going berserk. But they're back now and it makes it hard to play there. So I think when we come to April, May, whenever the last week of the season is now, I know it's just changed. I think Pirates losing, not getting their bonus point there could have a huge significance in the shake-up at the end because... You, they would have thought they get five points at home, Scottish. So to be that, I think they were nineteen nil up after fifty minutes as well, and they had three tries after fifty. So it's not managed to get over the line. That half hour is huge. Um, I think it's interesting. We see and you hear rumours coming out, um, just moments of the uh, improving relationship between Scottish and Quinns going forward. I think that could have quite a big significant on the future of Scottish because another club hit horribly by COVID and. Championship clubs are finding their feet again now. How, what everyone's having to do su- to survive is different. Uh, and it seems like Scottish are entering into a more formal relationship with Quinns from what you hear. And that could have a huge significance on what Scottish squad looks like, where they're training, that sort of stuff next season. I think if that goes positive with both sides, Scottish won't be the whipping boys. Well, they're not the whipping boys anymore. They don't get battered every week like they were at the start. They're not going to get 100 points put on them like they did by Ealing at the start of the season. But I think they could be a much um, tougher force to play next season, depending on how that relationship blossoms or doesn't. Yeah, um, good, very good point. Well made. Uh, and then you contrast the side unable to score in the final 30 minutes to uh, to Doncaster, who I think they were 15 points down with 10 to go. And obviously they'll have seen results elsewhere with Ealing uh, slipping up and uh, maybe an opportunity lost at Richmond. But in the last... Uh, I think in the eighth or something, Tom Smith goes over and uh, 33-30 away win for Doncaster away at Richmond, which again, uh, keeps them top of the league, albeit with, um, you know, played a couple more games on the other sides there, but sort of in that hunt in the top four. Yeah, it's, um, I, I sort of had Richmond down for the win there because obviously Rousey was, spoke very well last week about their model um, and they must be gutted. But again, it shows the progress Richmond have made to, to sort of run Donny all the way, another full-time outfit. And um, I think Richmond Richmond have a loose relationship with a couple of the London clubs. But just going back to your point on Scottish relationship with uh, Quinns, I see today that the three coaches at Quinns have just signed um, employment contracts, haven't they? They're fully mm-hmm. they don't they, they're not in the contract. They, they've it's, uh, how do you word that? Uh, it's open ended, isn't it? It doesn't it doesn't not, have a finish date, does yeah. it? It's not like it's a two or three year. It's a you are employed by Quinns. And that's it until one day maybe we think you aren't, uh, which is really interesting, isn't it? Uh, I haven't seen that in rugby before. No, and and that stability at Quinns, and if you've got stability there and then a relationship with Scottish, then that becomes a completely different animal, doesn't it? And uh, that that then you go, oh, shit, Scottish are going to have got this relationship, they have access to all their coaching facilities, a bit like Bedford do as well. And that's going to really, really enhance. And it's is it is it a worry for the league or is it a strength of the league going forward? That's my only concern. Is because you do want that core group of uh, Scottish players or Amtel players 
and you don't want the high movement of players um, to disrupt that and also develop your own group and what your own doing. But I think the league's the, the league's used to it now. But it is it is an interesting dynamic that one and and, and how the league as a whole is shaping with that dual reg uh, relationships clubs are getting. How, yeah. how does it work? How does it work with you guys, mate? Like, like what, oh, what mate, you... it's bonkers. We 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 pull it from all over, don't we? You look at our team sheet. You go, which I think I think we've had bloods from. Let me get right. So this so far this season we've had. So we have a relationship with Saris. Uh, then because of injuries, Saris had we didn't get as many players as we thought we were going to get. So we've had to go elsewhere. So then we've had lads from this season Worcester. So Saris, Worcester, Gloucester. Through the fact that I live over here, so Reece Dunn used to get in my car and come with us for a bit. Ealing, Irish, Saints, I think that's this, uh, Glasgow, hilariously, and Edinburgh. That's it, yeah. George we, uh, no, George signed for us on a short-term deal. We had Rowan Frostwick's been over from Edinburgh at nine, and we've had, uh, we had a bit of a prop crisis. We got an injury on a Thursday. So Ewan McQuillan, actually, from Glasgow, came and helped us out to come and play Donny, because otherwise we couldn't get a tired out, because we had, I think we had... An injury on our place on a Thursday, and Sarri's had an injury on the Thursday, so we lost two props in one set in about three hours. So right. we had a bit of a crash. So we, how does it work? It's a good question, Gully, uh, because how do you make that work? Um, we're really lucky in the fact that I, I was saying this today. We anyone who's been to Ampthill knows that it's to call it rough and ready is an understatement. Uh, our facilities are pretty basic. It's a community rugby club uh, that fights way above its weight on facilities wise. These that I've been in premiership environments, I've been in full-time environments. It's not like that at all. These lads come down on a Monday, Tuesday, and a Thursday, and not one of them has ever sulked, rolled their eyes, had any sort of "I'm better than this, I'm full-time." They roll their sleeves up and they get they get down and dirty. And it literally is the pitch at the moment is a mud bath because of the weather, and they just get on with it. They have their food, they have a laugh, they have the crap, and they go back to their clubs. They come back and do it again. So we're really fortunate on the fact that we've got some great lads who come in and just completely buy into what we do um i think if we didn't have that if we had lads going back to their clubs complaining it could get quite awkward uh because we are where we are we're at the point we are in our development at the moment and our facilities aren't changing at the moment that that's what we have so you have to buy into that's what we do so it works because of that and then there's the like you said goes the flip side of how do you weigh up having um loan or dual reg playing instead of your own signed players and i think that's only an issue having been in the experience of being the player coming in from a premiership club to a champ club when I went on loan to Welsh. Um, that's only an issue when the players don't buy in. So I think that kills the, oh, we're being, like if they rocked up, did line outs and started, that, that's different, isn't it? But they come in, they do the full week, they do full sessions and then they're part of the squad. So boys have no issue if they get picked. <laughs> Mate, it's changed a little bit because they used to drop in on a Thursday do the lineup session and then play Saturdays. <laughs> so, so I think there was there was a little bit of that when I first arrived. There was a little bit of that, and then I think that's something we uh, we spoke to Tommy and Lars about, and as a leash group, and we had that concept of that's that's not a very it's not the best model, is it going forward? That's not fair to lads you got there, and I think you don't get the lads who come on loan buying in the same way either. So I don't think it does anyone any good. It doesn't do your lads good. It doesn't do the loan lads any good. It doesn't do Ampton most importantly any good. So we've, we've moved away from that a little bit. Um, and I think we're getting better pay out of our loan boys because of it. Just just on that, it, it, the problem we had was they were doing it and they were fucking rocking up at the weekend and playing. So we had <laughs> So it, like, that theory is amazing, right? So it's like, that's how it should be done. But, Tommy would bring them in or, or Lav would bring them in on the Thursday. So we had Ben Earl and Nick Azigwe one week and they dropped in on the on the Thursday. And like we didn't know who they were at that point. 
who are these fucking clowns? And they just, they, they dug in, they played, I think we played Fire away in that one at the time, and they were outstanding. We're like, well, we, we don't we don't mind that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tommy Turner's Barmy Army, yeah. impressive. Yeah, yeah, and then you get them on the bus on the way home, and then they're, they're in the Amtel Club then, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I said, I've, I've only done one bus trip because of COVID, and obviously, because I live, so I live, Everyone's like, I live in Cheltenham, so I do four-hour round trips to get to training anyway. So like, I, I do a fair bit of driving. So when I drive to games, I don't get the bus. The only one I've done was Pirates Away last year, which obviously was a huge win as well. Um, and that was, I remember the bus trip. I remember we stopped at Tesco on the way out of Penzance. And uh, it was Dave Ward at the time, Wardy, and a few of the boys went in with Lav's card. Um, yeah. And and that that's pretty hefty. You have to drag that along his wallet. And they, uh, they went in, they come back about 20 minutes later with... Um, one huge trolley full of drink and like food, crisps, sausage rolls, all the all the stuff you want when you're pissed. And I looked at it and I went, oh, fucking hell. I thought, that's, that's a lot of drink. And then the second trolley rocked up. And I was like, oh, Christ, right, okay, this is how we go. And honestly, we had some young lads who were asleep, we weren't even out of Cornwall, and they'd been put to sleep. Uh, but that was a very good bus trip. They, uh, they get pretty wild. It's funny. Sorry, Mike, but it's funny. I like reminiscing because... They, and I'm telling Tommy and, and Lev, they get excited when they get a big bus. <laughs> yes, yeah, get on the, not not Mario, not Mario driving the little bus, the big bus. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like we're having a big day, and we'd have one a year because it used to get that messy, and all sorts would go on. But it's it's good that it's still still a bit of a tradition. I think it's important, but it's uh, it's 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 a good it's a good crack that bus for sure. No, class that is a hell of a trip that isn't it imagine you can leave Cornwall get your fill be asleep by Bristol sober up by the time you're back into Amtel <laughs> yeah very much so we'll round off the uh, results from last week um, with well, the highest scoring game of the round um, uh, Sally had to be stopped early um, as I believe a supporter was taken ill this is Hartby versus Jersey 31-40 so just extending uh, our best wishes to that supporter hope he's made uh, a recovery but uh, yeah I mean five point away win for Jersey there big big result yeah that that's that's a huge we're sorry jumping golly that, that, that's a huge thing because obviously Hart, this is the best I was about to say about Richmond this is the best Richmond and Hartby side I've seen in the championship I think in my three or four years here they're very much the strongest they've been it's not an easy place to go, uh, Hartbury. Now, it used to be you'd go and if you could take one up front, there were a load of students and you could beat them. It's not that way at all. Um, and Jersey needed that uh, to stay in the hunt. And I know Jersey very well. I know what Harvey, Harvey Bullishon's like. He will be licking his lips at the prospect of beating Ealing this weekend in Jersey because anyone who knows it knows there is very little of lost between Jersey and Ealing and between... Uh, Harvey and Ben Ward at Ealing. So that that will be, that's my even though I'm playing in another fixture, that's my pick of the games this weekend. Well, here's a question then to both of you: Can can Jersey do it this weekend on the island? Hundred percent. Yeah, I yeah I I think they can. And like you said, there is, I do like that spice off the field as well because you know <laughs> I know Harvey from my time at Pirates and we spoke to Ben on here and there is a they've they've mirrored each other, haven't they, for years through the, through the leagues and gone on a similar pathway and it's. Uh, Jersey, I suppose the thing is, is if they can get over there with this bloody storm coming in, because um, I've got a mate coming the other way from Jersey this weekend, and you know, will the fixture go ahead? If it does, it's it's a belter, isn't it? And uh, you you think it, but you think Eden could could bounce back, but Jersey will fancy it, mate, hundred percent. Just uh, talking about belting fixtures, um, and, and we'll we'll zip through these. But you've got you've got Doncaster Hartbury, which is you know two top five sides going at each other. Bedford on the back of that win last week, taking on the Pirates. Again, a huge game. 
at the other end of the table, London Scottish versus Nottingham. Scottish have got to be fancying themselves for that. And then, Charlie, your game against Richmond, that is going to be a belter as well. Let, let's dive in with that. But honestly, some fixtures this weekend are just um, well excited for. Yeah, it, it's an interesting shake-up this weekend. It seems like everyone's playing someone one or two spots away from them. Um, yeah, this is going to be a real tough one against Richmond. We went down there and we squeaked a 38-36 win, I think, at the Athletic Ground during the season. So, very tight. Like I said, this is the best Richmond team I've seen. Um, and they're, they're, you see from the result against Doncaster, no one's beaten them easily. So we'll have to be on our metal, I think. We've had two weeks off now because we didn't have a, we've not had a game touch wood to cancel because of COVID. So we had the reserve week off that everyone else played in. And then it was our bye week last week. So we roll into this on the back of two weeks off, which is, it's always good in the fact that you carry, you know, it's like at this point in the season, Gully, everyone's carrying a niggle of some sort. No one's 100%. So we've managed to, not fix, but strap up a few broken bodies and make them a little bit less broken if you can manage that uh, in February. Um, so that's good from that side of things. And we've had a few good weeks training, but then there's always the old age of, isn't there? You get a bit rusty. We haven't played in three weeks. So we'll have to hit the ground running. We can't. We let them get a 12, 14 point lead, I think, down there and came out firing in the start of the second half. I think if we do that again this, this time round, I don't think we'll get lucky again to get ourselves back in the game. So we'll have to see. It'll be a real tough game, but we always will back ourselves against anyone, um, but especially at our place when when you have to take a walk through the walk through the forest to get to the pitch. We always, I always like to think a few demons come uh, creep across people as they walk through the forest. You know, it's like gully. So, I am um, yeah, it'd be a tough game, but one we can definitely go and win. Like I said, I think there aren't any games we go into thinking we can't. We maybe Sarries away last year. I thought this might be a push uh, when they had six British Lions starting. I thought we might struggle here, uh, but apart from that, I'll always back us to go and get a result against anyone. So. It's good. I think it'd be a great game, um, but I think, unfortunately, I think this storm might limit some of the rugby play, played all across the league this weekend. Gully, do you see any shocks across the league? Are there any sort of strong fancies for you? I know the fans can look forward to your predictions back another week. They've been getting a bit better, to be fair. <laughs> but there, which which results do you fancy a firm winner in, if any? Um, firm winners? Okay, so I'm just looking at the... I'm still, I fancy them... Um, I'll I tell you what, mate, I played against Roslyn Park in a, in a similar sort of weather and we we picked and went from the five metre line to the halfway and then we scored. It was fucking hanging and it's a windy place, isn't it? Quick question on, on half-time at Amtel. Do you go in or do you stay out? Go in, mate. Go in. We go in. Right, that's changed. Refs just refs are just like, yeah, we'll give an extra three or four minutes because until it's three minutes to get off the pitch. So refs are pretty, they play pretty fast and loose with how long half time is. But we go in apart from last season when we were losing to Hartbury, we were 19 points down at half time. Uh, Tommy did a, was it Phil Brown to Hull where he kept him out at half time and bolted him on the pitch. <laughs> Tommy, yeah, Tommy did that to us. He did that to us at half time last. There was a standoff between Lou Grimaldi, captain at the time, Lavs and Tommy, who all wanted to do different things. In the end, we all got sat down and bollocked on the pitch to the point where our players' group chat pitch became the Phil Brown giving it to him at Hull. And we came back and won. We won with an 80th minute penalty. So, I mean, it obviously worked. But no, that's the only time we've stayed out. We do go in now. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. It's a, it was always a, a debate. I never wanted to go in because I was old and I was preserving energy. <laughs> but that's one of the reasons. But going back to the fixtures, uh, I'll quickly run through them. So we've got, I'll go Amtil. I'm going to go with a Hartbury away win. I've been backing them for the past few weeks. That's my shock result. Piss off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pirates to beat Bedford away, uh, Jersey to beat Ealing, and Scottish to win. So that could change. I change my mind daily, but that's what I'm going to go with. 
Um, but yeah, it's an exciting. What I do like is when all the fixtures are on the same day. Mm. So it's like it's all going up. It's like, well, we're not, I'm not involved in it. So I can just kick, stay on Twitter and have a look and see what's going on around the league. I think Saturday rugby or Friday night rugby is uh, it's good and those fixtures together. And it will open, we'll see after the weekend sort of the league may change a little bit, might not it? We may see some different runners and riders or. Or will, if Ealing win a win, do they pull away from Pirates and can Bedford back up beating Ealing and win at home? It's, you know, it's, it's really interesting weekend. Yeah, it certainly is. And if you can, a reminder, go get down and support your local championship rugby club because you doubtless see whether there is a storm or not to see some fantastic rugby on show. You're listening to the Championship Clubs podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. So, Charlie, uh, time to do a bit of a deep dive into your career. And uh, let's be honest, for a man of 26 years old, you've done a fair bit of stuff. You've been around the game and uh, you've notched some experience on the old uh, CV, an impressive experience as well. But uh, I believe started off back all those years ago, back in the uh, the Leicester Academy and also then into into Gloucester. So let's let's talk through your early stages of the career. Yeah, mate. So it's been um, it's been an interesting ten years. Like I realised this year, this is my tenth year doing this professionally, which seems seems bonkers. Um, but First of all, like, all I ever wanted to do was play rugby professionally. So I've been very lucky that if I had to stop tomorrow for whatever reason, I've had a hell of a career and uh, the game's given me more than I could ever give it back, both professionally and what I've done community-wise and that sort of stuff. So I, I'm very lucky. But yeah, I, so I'm from Liverpool, uh, shit at football, so it was rugby. Uh, was never going to be the next TVG, so rugby was for me. Uh, massive rugby family, Waterloo Rugby Club's our club at home, both my mum and my dad. Dad played, my mum always worked at the club. My mum's dad was president and chairman. So rugby was always what I was going to do. Um, and then 16 moved to Leicester and joined the academy. Um, so I lived down there and we were full-time at 16 while doing my A-levels at college. So that was a hell of a two years. I look back now, like it was the best two years of my life. I was with my best mates, living the dream every day and pissing about at school, but getting my A-levels. So that was the one deal with my parents and I got my A-levels. Uh, so that if this didn't work, I could go to you and do whatever I needed to. So I got that sorted. But you look back and I was out of the house most days at six and getting back at eight. And that was what we did every day. And it was just at the time you don't realise that's a long day. You're like, oh, well, this is this is life. This is what we do. But it was there were days and there are you, everyone hears rumours about the Leicester Tigers Academy and the stories and how wild it was. And they're, they're true. Like if you've heard the story, and thought, oh, that couldn't be true. They are. It was an interesting old place. Um but to be honest, my plan was to play for Leicester, have 300 games for Leicester and be a Leicester legend. And that's what I wanted to do. Um, and that obviously didn't quite go that way. Um, so I had four years at Leicester. Uh, I then moved to Gloucester when I was 20. I did two years at Gloucester. I then signed for Jersey uh, when Gloucester released me. I then did season and a half at Jersey because the second one got cut short because of COVID. Then I had the scary moment where I went out of contract during COVID. Uh, I, I chose not to stay at Jersey because uh, I didn't enjoy living on the island. I didn't enjoy being away from my family, from my partner. She was still over here and that sort of stuff. So chose to move on from Jersey. But then no one was signing anyone in COVID. So went uncontracted for the first time in eight years. That was quite scary. Then was living in Exeter with my partner. She had a house down there. Her family had a house down there. And I just got a text from, um, we're still training and all that stuff because my my view on it was I've got nothing better to do, so I may as well train. But I also thought the moment I stopped considering myself as a professional rugby player, the rest of the world had no reason to think I was anymore. So I was still training twice a day, trying to do all the right things with the limited equipment I had. I just got a text from Tom Hudson, who's who's my best mate, who's at Ampton with me now, who just said, mate, we've had two second row injuries this week. We start playing Premiership again in four weeks. Might be worth a call. Skivs had just gone in as coach at Gloucester, so... 
we called Brownie and he was like, bring your boots on Monday for a two-week trial. Like, rock up, you know what the crack is here. Had a two-week trial, got signed a short-term deal at Gloucester. Um, after six seasons of Premiership Clubs, finally made my Premiership debut. Played two Premiership games. I got Sarri's an extra away. So it was quite a baptism of fire for uh, for Premiership games. Um, played pretty well. And then got called in by Skibbs and Browning. They were like, oh, yeah, mate, we're going to offer you a two-year deal. I was like, brilliant. They were like, we've just got to dot I's, cross T's with your agent. Uh, we'll do all your agent. I was like, sound, this is great. Me and my girlfriend started looking at houses in Cheltenham and stuff, which is why we're still here. And then about 10 days later, I got called into the office by Skibbs. And he was just like, I need to speak to you. And I literally sat down in the room that two years before I'd been told I was being released uh, by Gloucester in. And I looked at him and I said, this isn't good news, is it? Because you said you were going to speak to my agent. He was like, mate, we've got to, we can't make it work money-wise. We've got to get front row, which they did. He was like, we've got uh, enough second rows. We, we'd like to keep them, but we don't need to. So we're going to have to, um, we can't offer you anything. And I literally said, I was like, mate, are you just prepping me for a shit offer here? Because if you are, give me it. Give me the shit because I'll probably take it. Uh, and he said, no, there's, there's no offer. So then that was when I picked up the phone to Dave Ward, who I'd spoken to just before the trial came at Gloucester, who uh, explains what Amptel were doing, because I was shit scared of falling out of rugby at that point. I was like, I'm going to fall through the cracks, I have no club, and then it's, it's hard to come back from that. Um, met Lavs, agreed to deal with Lavs, signed definitely for only the 10-game season at Amptel, uh, and I accidentally fell in love with the place uh, and got very invested in what they were doing. had probably the best fun I've had playing rugby, I think off the back of that played probably some of the best rugby I had for a long time. And it just fits my life well at the moment. So that's why I chose to resign. And I'm fully invested in in the journey and the plan and everything we want to achieve. And then they very kindly asked me to be captain this year. And with that added responsibility, I'm just full on. I, I want to do everything I can to help them to achieve everything they can. So that is, it was meant to be a short rundown. I probably spoke about 20 minutes there. That's my career in a nutshell to this point, really. Right, hey, that's... That's a lot. It's a lot to deal with at 26. Um, now, I was dealing with those things a bit later in my career. Um, I, quite, I quite like the fact that Skibbs had the conversation with you rather than the agent. So, although it's a, it's a fucking shit sandwich to take, it's not even a shit sandwich. It's, you don't even get the good news at the end, do you? So it's like it's a, it's a tough one. Um, like, and then like you say about moving moving to Amtel, right? It, it does have that draw, doesn't it? Like it's one of those places that people seem to end up at, and then they go, "Fucking hell, this place is alright." And that falling back in love with it, um, it's good to hear. And yeah, it's it's a, it's a really interesting story at, at 26. So you know, talking about the long term with with Amtel, it seems like you're, you're fully in. Will you will you look to move down to the area, or are you just going to go year by year with it? I'm I'm absolutely going year by year. There is there is obviously the long term plan of at some point they want to go full time. Uh, if they go to full time, obviously I can't be doing a two hour commute. That that won't yeah. really work. I believe in at four in the morning. Um, so that at that point I would look to, but at the moment. Um, so obviously it's not for time. I'm very fortunate of, uh, on the side, I do a little bit of work for, we've got a family business in wealth management. So I do a bit of work for that. So my dad's my boss and is very good at, my, my routine pretty much looks like I get up fairly early. I go to the gym, get my SEC done, do a few hours of work with him and then I leave in plenty of time. So I'm never rushing to get there. At the moment, this fits my life really well. Uh, and it works for me. I'm a partner, which is the important thing is it works for us. But long-term, I think at some point that could be something I look to definitely. What was your first then, very, very first experience with the champ? Was it was it Jersey or had you been in the league for any games before that whilst you're in the academy setups? So I had, um, yeah, this is the bit of the story that I forget sometimes. That I, I was at London Welsh when London Welsh folded. Um, I was involved, but so I was in my first year at Gloucester when I was 20, the year I was 20 to 21. So I just turned 21. 
uh, Welsh started going through their money issues, etc. And they reached out to Gloucester and basically said, we're, we're short of players. And eventually, well, a few of us went on a deal of we were going to go to uh, Welsh on a Tuesday, do Tuesday at Welsh, and then do Thursday, Friday, Saturday at Welsh. So I started doing that and it was going well. And I played a few games for London Welsh. And then they kind of went into administration fully. And then they came back out of it when the Kiwis, uh, I think it was um, Dan Carter was involved, wasn't it? They, they, and Ali, um, Ali Williams came in to offer the money and say that. So we got back playing again. And then it was really sad what happened. And they did fold, as everyone knows. And now they play in their community side and they come into the leagues. But so I played about five or six games for Welsh when they were there and they were still full time. And they had some really good players like Kieran Murphy was there, Barney Madsen was there. There were some really good championship players. They played a high level. And I did five or six games then, was starting to learn my trade. Now, I, I always say now, if I think if I'd had my, the plan was me to have the full season there. I was going to have the whole season with Welsh. I think if I'd had that season with Welsh then, and learned that year what I then learned at Jersey two years later, I think my career might have been a different place. I think I learned at Jersey what it took to be in the team week in, week out, not in the squad. And I, if I'd learned that at Welsh, I think when I had my second year at Gloucester, in when I was 22, I think I would have been able to push for playing at Gloucester more than just being, I was reserve team captain, that's what everyone saw me as at Gloucester. That's, uh, a, yeah. that's sort of a story that we, we, we get, particularly for type five players, that, it, that that's the role. That, that it sort of offers you then. But let's dive into Jersey then. Obviously, I mean, your, your playing record at the, at the place was fantastic. Was it just a case of a cultural fit? You were, weren't quite liking the rock or, or, or what What was the reason for wanting out? Yeah, it was literally that. It was, oh, I'm I'm very close to my family, like my sister. Um, I've got two sisters I'm very close to. Uh, one of them, Sarah, she plays for England, she plays for Harlequins. And the fact that she was having huge games, I couldn't just get in my car and go to them. Like things like that were, were upsetting me. Um, to be honest, um, my partner, she was living over here. We just started to get quite serious, and that wasn't condu- the most conducive setup to uh, a good long-term, long-term, long-distance relationship. Being a flight away from each other, and it just, it just didn't fit that. So I, I had a great eighteen months, two years in Jersey. Uh, my, probably my favourite day in rugby was I played the day we beat London Irish at Jersey. That was that day. It was just the best day. Like we scored in the eighty-second minute to win. It was like a fairy tale. And I played with some brilliant boys over there. I met some great people. It just wasn't... If you could have picked up Jersey and put it on mainland England, it would have been a very, very happy place for me. Just being that flight away just didn't work for me at that point in my life. Is that a story that you get? Do you, is that something that you hear often with Jersey's recruitment? Um, because, I mean, obviously, the it, it takes a special type... You know, it, it's a serious commitment, isn't it, to sort of up your life and, and take it out there? Yeah, I think that's why there's quite a bit of turnover. I think boys go one or two ways. They either can't do it or they absolutely love it and live there for a long long time so i think that that is something you find quite a lot and why there's a lot of turnover with the uh, with the jersey playing squad i suppose the other thing is to be fair they've got a pretty impressive record of developing players to make that step up as well yeah you look at some of the players who've been through there and continue to like the the, the best story i think is um kyle hatherell who's at uh, worcester now Word Kyle's good mate of mine, like Harvey, absolutely fair play to Harvey. He knows when he sees a player. He put Kyle out of the second division Scottish rugby. I think he was working, hilariously, Kyle was working at a nuclear power plant. It's like it's like a superhero story. He was working at a power plant and was playing some rugby on the side. And because he's obviously from South Africa originally and Harvey, as he knew him from there, plucked him out of there. And now Kyle's on the phone to Eddie Jones about to be in the England squad and tearing up for Worcester every week. They have They have a great, great record of finding players and maybe players who haven't gone well elsewhere. They go to Jersey. They do well. You look at Jake Woolmore yeah. uh, at Bristol as well. These players, they they go to Jersey, they find their feet and then they go on to great things. 
Yeah, yeah. My old housemate, Jake Armstrong, similar story, was not really playing it. Donny went down there, did fantastically. And now I think I think he's about three, four years. He's been at Bristol as well and uh, some serious premiership experience under his belt. So in terms of uh, where you are now, Charlie, say we've, we've spoke just 26 years old. So, I mean, in Gully's terms, you're, you're an absolute bambino. So where's where's your head at for rugby now? He's talked about Amptil possibly going part-time. Do you still have aspirations of making that step back up to the premiership? Um, it, yeah, it's a really good question, Mike. It's, and it's something I ask myself quite often, uh, and I probably flip between the sides. I think, absolutely, I only started to scratch the Premiership itch with those. So I've got two Premiership appearances. I played with Gloucester and Leicester lots of times in Europe and the, and the Cup and all that. I think I'd probably got to a point where I thought it wasn't going to happen. So I was at peace with that. And then it did. And it was like, oh, right, okay. And I did okay against Saris, but then we went down to Exeter. And it was that hilarious time where Premiership was playing Saturday, Wednesday. So you had a Saturday team and a Wednesday team. And our Wednesday team was very much shags. It was send send the lads down to Exeter. And Exeter's Wednesday team was 14 of the 15 that started the European Cup final that year. So we went down and I was getting texts from my mates, like screenshots of Facebook and Twitter being like, this would be a cricket score. We'll be proud. Gloucester fans are like, we'll be proud if they keep under 100. And we lost by nine points down there. Like we, I played against Johnny Hill and Johnny Gray in the second row that day, which was a great, that's what you want to do. You know, it's like, you want to play against the best, don't you? So that kind of, and I I had a good game that day. I thought I played well. And that kind of gave me a bit of a, oh no, okay, I can hang here. Like at the absolute top level, I can, I can hold my own and do well. And off the back of that, I obviously thought I was going to stay at Gloucester. I thought, okay, here we go. I'm ready to, ready to go now. This is, it's a little bit later than I thought, but 24, 25, I'm ready to really put my foot on the throttle here. Didn't happen for whatever reason, and I'm very, very happy at Ampton. I think what I don't think I'll, if I was a betting man, I wouldn't put money on seeing me play Championship rugby for anyone else. I, I'm the happiest I've been in the Championship at Ampton quite comfortably. And I think I always thought you had to be full time to be on the top three or four teams in the Championship. And I think the way the league's changed, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think being in a part time environment and seeing how we can use our time, I do think done right, you can compete at the top end part time. I absolutely do. Now, if I was to say I didn't have aspirations to play the Premiership again, I'd be a liar. I, I absolutely would love to. And and Mark Labs and Tommy know this, and I'm fully 100% invested in Amptil. And nothing, there's nothing I want more than to be Amptil winning on the weekend and playing well. But there is always that if a Premiership club did see me and thought I was playing well and wanted to have a conversation, I'm not at the point where I'd say no to that now, no. But I, I'm very honest with that. that. That's where I'm at. I, I don't see myself ever playing, really, unless something catastrophic happens. Championship rugby elsewhere. I love Amps. I love being here and I'm very proud to be captain of such a great club. Uh, it would have to be a step up that would move me away, I think. I think, um, I think that's quite interesting, really, mate, that you, because that, that, I was, I was always chasing it to play Prem and it was, uh, it took me until I was sort of 30 years old to get there. And that's one of the reasons for moving around the champ clubs and, I always say, like, looking back at Amtel and Bedford, maybe I wish I'd have joined them earlier in my career because you, once you're, you're settled in this value, they, they see the value in you. You then, you then, as a result of that, you tend to play your better, better rugby because you, you, you invested in the environment. You enjoy the enjoy the company of the coaches and the, the structure of the club. And then, as on the back of that, on on field is what it's what it's all about, isn't it? It's what you get paid to play. You get paid to play for your performances. And if you're performing, then you know someone might come knocking. And if they don't, you're you're fucking comfortable with where you're at as a rugby player, and you're performing each week. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because like I, like I said earlier, when I signed for Amptel, it was absolutely just for that ten game season. I didn't want to be part time. It was I thought being part time was a uh, suicide to my career. I was like, this is just to stay in rugby. And then I thought. 
obviously, ideally, I'd get an offer of going up, but any full-time offer from the champ, I'll take again, get back to full-time, then we're going. And without revealing too much, like I had two offers to go back full-time at the end of last season from championship clubs. Two full-time champ clubs made me offers to, to go and play for them. And it just didn't... Having been full-time at Jersey in the champ and then part-time Amstel, I didn't think I'd played any better being full-time at Jersey. Now, the argument I got from my agent was actually one of them was, but you're probably higher up the league at Club A or Club B. And Premiership clubs look at the clubs higher up the league. So you want to be there playing well. And I saw that argument and there's definitely, I can't say that was the wrong point, but I knew in my heart of hearts that I was going to be happier at Amstel, both in my personal life and my professional life. And I, I never, ever subscribed to the happy home life makes you play better until I had a happy home life, until I was settled at home. And I don't think it's a coincidence that I've then, I think, playing better. So it just wasn't the right move for me at that time with those two clubs to up sticks and move. I would have had to. I couldn't commute them for full time. So to up sticks and move and move me and my partner and everything. And I still, there are people who said to me, like, you made the wrong call, knowing the clubs they weren't what they've done this season, etc. I'm like, no, I don't think I have. I could see why people would think I have, but... Actually, playing championship rugby at this moment in my life, playing for Amtel is absolutely the right call for me if I'm in the champ. And I don't see that being different with, like you say, feeling valued. And I quite like, I feel like I'm quite an important cog of the machine. And the cogs, and I've been a little cog for a long time at big clubs. And actually, I feel like I can give more value at the moment being a slightly bigger cog in maybe a slightly smaller machine at the moment, but one that's looking to grow. Mate, just um, just touch on on the league as a whole. So I don't know um, your, your views. You've 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 played for a few clubs. Um, like what what from a player's point of view? Like we we've spoken to other people, um, coaches and things. Like as a player, like what what's your current view of the championship and how is it in there? Like week to week, we were speaking very positively about it, but there's obviously there are challenges within it. Like as as a playing group, is it something that you you take on or is it just look after your own shit um, oh we talk about it a lot mate we talk about the champ a lot like it, it's brutal playing week in week out and there are no easy games in this league and you don't understand until you play in it uh, I know I didn't till I did uh, till I started playing in it I know for example so we've obviously I've mentioned Tom Hudson signed for us through being my mate from Gloucester and he never understood it till he came and played in it full time you, you just cannot fathom how tough this league is and a lot of boys do a lot of work for not much money and not much reward. Like, it's not easy. And boys sacrifice a lot to play in this league. And I think it's a brilliant league. I think it's a tough league. I think it produces great players for English rugby, for all, all, all sorts of countries, Scotland, Wales, Italy with Jake Pledry. Like, there are, there are I know who's heartbreaking that one, but there, there are lots of countries and lots of bigger clubs benefited from what happens, what clubs are doing in the champ and what players are doing in the champ, what coaches are doing in the champ. And I think everyone appreciates that. The players appreciate it, the coaches appreciate it, I think the bigger clubs appreciate it. The only people who don't, and the media, the media appreciate it now. The only people who seem to not appreciate it are the RFU. And that is what I do not understand. I can't understand why our governing body don't see the value in this league. If I'm honest, and I've written about it, for I'm lucky I have a column with Talking Rugby, I've written about it before, and when they announced the uh, the cuts, what, two years, it seems a lifetime ago now, two and a bit years ago, I had quite a scathing column of what I thought about those decisions. I just think if it was just us and the champ and us on this podcast shouting about how great the champ is, you'd maybe understand. But it's literally everyone in the game apart from the guys in charge. And that's that's what baffles me with it. I don't I don't understand how you can't see the value. You just have to look at the England squad going out this weekend for the Six Nations. I know that this argument's been made loads of times. So I'm going to make it one more time. You look at the players going out against Italy the week just gone and the majority have played in the championship. 
I think you boys put together the stat that over 50% of the Premiership players the other week had played in the Championship. How can anyone look at just the logical and the maths of that and say, no value in that league? It's a, well, Charlie, you say it's very, very eloquently put, but a point that we've been sort of banging for a while. It, it does almost start making you think like, there's an agenda, or and it, and it is it's disheartening. But uh, I wanted to just jump back in on a point that you made. You know about the your agent said about you need to be in a and this kind of relates to the the players making the jump and how many Premiership lads that you get coming out of the champ. Do you think it matters which side you're in as to whether you get a Prem deal? Because I'm just thinking in my head there, doing the maths. I bet if you ask most Championship clubs, they've all got a pretty solid record of producing players that have gone on and made that step up. I don't think there's too many in the league that can't boast. You know a handful in the last couple of seasons. Yeah, it's an interesting debate, isn't it? And obviously I didn't put too much credence in it because I chose to stay at Amstel, who are lower down the league than other sides who are full-time. So I think definitely if you're recruiting, you look at the champ and you're probably more likely to look at the teams doing well, aren't you? They're more likely to have the better players. But you only have to look at, I mentioned Dave Williams earlier. He got signed back to Leicester a season or two ago out of Nottingham, who were bottom three. Uh, we've had players move on. Uh, you look at even Jersey when they weren't at the top end for that players going up. So... I think if you're a good player and you're playing well, I don't think it matters too much. But I think it probably does help a little bit that you're going to go, there's probably more better players this season playing for Donny, Ealing Pirates than there are Nottingham Scottish Cough, for example. So I think it probably helps a little bit, but I think there are more important factors than the league position of your team. Sure. Charlie, I want to touch on this uh, before we finish. Of course, you're a, you're a busy man, uh, not just uh, between your, your huge commutes to Amtil, captaining that fantastic club and your commitments to the family business, but also, uh, as you said, writing for Talking Rubber Union and uh, a couple of podcasts of your own, I believe. Take this opportunity to give those a pump. Oh, right. Okay. So, yeah, I get a lot. So, I get a lot of shit for this on the pitch. Like, if anyone's watching play, I really enjoy the talking side of the game and, like, being a bit of an arsehole and being confrontational and having a good chat, especially at scrubbing time. But recently, I'm getting a lot of shit, like Charlie said, for your podcast. Just fuck off and do your podcast, mate. So, I will talk about this one. I hilariously, because I'm a big loser, I have a professional wrestling podcast, because that's a big passion of mine, that goes out weekly called Earning the Push. So, that's always good. Uh, I, ha I host for School of Kicking, which is a kicking uh, workshop, um, kicking coaching company. Hilariously, I host a podcast for them called Only Kickers Know. I don't, I'm the Mike Casey on that one. I'm not the gully. I'm not giving my, uh, my opinion on kicking. Thank God. I've only kicked once in my whole career. Uh, I do your job there, Mike. Not as well as you. Um, and I sit down with Tony Yap each week, who's a very good kicking coach. And we have kickers on. Uh, and then I even had my own one that I do believe I'm coming back for a second series this in the next few months called Brew with Beckett, where I sit down for a coffee with interesting people. It's basically a shit Joe Rogan is what I am. I sit down with people and try and have a chat with them, but I don't get paid millions for it like Joe Rogan does. So that's how I'd sum that one up. But no, mate, I like chatting. I'm very fortunate that I, through my career, I've met a lot of interesting people and there's interesting conversations to have. And it started in that first lockdown on Instagram. I did it on Instagram Live. And my thought then was, if I could make one person's day a little bit more enjoyable in that first lockdown where it was shit for all of us, then I'd done my job. So I reached out to people, it was mainly rugby players, who uh, had big followings and said, join sit down for a chat. And we got a few hundred people watching each time. I got a few messages of people saying they'd enjoyed it. And off the back of that, um, a coffee company approached me to do a podcast. They sponsored that Brewer Beckett one. It's a company called 92 Degrees. 
which is a Liverpool-based company at home for me. And it went from there. But if people enjoy it, I'm happy. Like, if it makes one person's day a little bit better, then it's worth doing. Well, Charlie, we've certainly enjoyed chewing the fat with you this afternoon and talking all things championship. So uh, best of luck with this weekend against Richmond and best of luck with the future career. It's been a pleasure having you on. Cheers, fellas. I just want to say, um, since you both started this, I've loved listening and I love what you're doing for the league and it does deserve more more eyes, more ears, more listens on it. So keep up the good work, lads. It's been a pleasure coming on. Thank you very much. Yes, Charlie. Cheers, Charlie. That was the Championship Clubs podcast. Be sure to come back in a fortnight's time and follow us on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. The Championship Clubs podcast is brought to you in association with media partner Novus Marketing Solutions. Check them out at novusmarketingsolutions.com.